Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. What is up on a Wednesday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this Wednesday, June 5th edition of the Rebel Report. Um, loaded show today, some MLB draft stuff. Ole Miss came out about as I mean, completely unscathed, really, with regards to the Major League Baseball draft. We'll get into some Arkansas preview. Um, well, we're going to get a guest on today, but we're probably going to push that to Friday um, just because of a number of different things. We'll probably try to get Kendall Rogers or Teddy Cahill or someone on the podcast to discuss some uh, some super regional play, kind of get you ready for the weekend. Um, Ole Miss's game times have been announced. I'm sure if you're listening, you probably know them, but I'm pretty sure that was announced since the last time we recorded a podcast. Um, another NBA Finals game night. We might touch on that at the end. I don't really know where this show is going to take us. We're just going to do what we do most of the time and blow smoke out of our ass and see what happens. So, what's up, Colin? <laughs> not much, not much. That that actually might be a good po- a podcast title. Yeah, no kidding. But whatever it is is somewhat working because uh, I haven't mentioned this enough, but thank you guys for listening because this thing is growing, and it's growing, uh, I would say, quicker than I thought. And I say quicker than I thought because I had no expectations for how this would go. Um, but our numbers are going up. I'm going to say that has nothing to do with Ole Miss being good in baseball and every bit as much as we are as good as entertainers and wonderful people. Um, so thank you for listening. Please tell your friends about this podcast. Um, you got any other kind of sales pitches? Maybe give us some money, Colin. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. No, it's like, uh, it's like when you take this really hard class and, uh, and you and you expect to fail and, and you make a B. It's like, wow, it's, it, this isn't going as awful as I thought. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good example because, like, I was actually in school when we started this thing and, like, I didn't really have enough time to, like, think through, like, segments and stuff and actually, like, you know do good podcast segments and stuff just because there was so much stuff going on. Now that I'm kind of out of school, I feel like we're getting the hang of this thing. Uh, I've kind of have some more time to get guests on and actually think through like topic so ideas and stuff. Yet? Like if they mailed it to you? Uh, no, they have not. I think I have a hold on my bursar. I think I still have a parking ticket. I probably should take care of that today. Then maybe they <laughs> might shoot that thing in the mail. So um, I will be sure to update the podcast when I get the degree because I'm pretty sure some of the people that listened to this helped me take that survey uh, that I needed to pass school. So I'm going like, to cut them a piece and send it in the mail. Um, there you go. There you go. So, yeah. So, anyway, for on the serious note, thank you for listening because this is growing yeah. and it's kind of cool to see. Um, so we'll try to keep, I guess, entertaining you and maybe getting some cool guests and stuff like that. So keep listening. Tell your friends. Um, so where do you want to start? I guess we should start with the draft. Um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So... Ole Miss, it went as bad. I mean, it went as, in terms of signees. It went as as well as good as it possibly could. Ole Miss through the first ten rounds of the draft did not have any signees selected. So that means everyone, barring something kind of nuts, is coming to campus. Like you're talking yeah. about. I mean, you've probably got a starting catcher. You've got Connor Walsh. You've got Derek Diamond. You've got all the signees coming to class. That's going to be a pretty good class. Yeah, I don't know. I, I... I should be more well-versed in Ole Miss's recruiting class than I am. I don't know if there's any JUCO guys that you could lose. Uh, those guys are weird and could sign late. But other than that, you're going to get all the high school guys, and you're going to get three, like you said, kind of impact guys that are going to step on campus and be expected to produce kind of immediately in Walsh, Diamond, and uh, what is the other guy? Oh, uh, Dunhurst, for God's sake. Um, yeah, the catcher. Yeah, the guy's going to be the starting catcher next year. So, you, I mean, those guys didn't get picked. You know, if they were – 
I thought all three were going to show, but it, there was certainly a possibility that, that those guys get picked in the first round and, and get $1.5 million and go pro. I mean, it happened with Joe Gray last year. So uh, that, that was big for Ole Miss. They're going to get out of this uh, you know, pretty much all intact and, and got three or four guys in this class that are going to produce uh, immediately. I mean, this, this class rivals the 2016 class. So uh, we're burying the lead here because everyone, when they think of this, is thinking about Jerry on Ely. But just for a second, let's get through these other guys and let's talk about um, let's talk about like what what impact they're making next year because it's interesting. So you so Dunhurst catcher from Pearl River Central, um, kind of what he projected in the three to five round range. You thought I think it was earlier than that. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I thought, so I like yeah, three. So end of day one, early day two. Yeah. You thought. Um, you know, you thought he there was a chance he would go. He has a chance to be the starting catcher next year. I, I so I say a chance because Mike doesn't necessarily always trust freshman catchers. Cooper right. Johnson was an exception because he's you know, Cooper Johnson, uh, very good. Um, but I think he kind of fits the same mold. I'm not comparing the two, but I'm talking about the talent level that Mike wouldn't have much hesitation in letting him be the starting catcher from day one. You have Knox LaPoster, you have Hunter Neighbors, um, who I don't even think is on the trial roster. I imagine he's probably off playing summer ball somewhere, if I had to guess. Um, I don't know that for sure. But you have Knox LaPoster. I just see them keeping LaPoster's bat in the lineup if he continues to hit okay. I'm not sure he's the catcher, though. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a DH spot, and I'm sure you can play first base. You're going to lose Zabowski. Someone's got to play there. Uh, Laposter can certainly hit enough to, to warrant staying on the field, but I think Dunhurst is kind of just advanced from a defensive standpoint. And that's not to say Laposter's not good. I mean, he's called SEC innings this year. I think he's pretty good defensively. I just think Dunhurst is a, uh, like we mentioned, a, a, a first, second-round guy uh, behind the plate. And I think the bat's going to play a little bit quicker than Cooper's did. I, I think he's a guy that, it's not going to take too long to get translated from a uh, offense standpoint. And then you have Connor Walsh, who's a shortstop from Niceville, Florida. I think he's probably an outfielder next year. Yeah, next year he is. I think at some point he is the shortstop, kind of like the Servidio route. Um, but I think next year he probably is the center fielder. Yeah, I think so too, because you do have Josh Hall. You don't know how that bat's going to play. But really, for the first time, I mean, so assuming Tim Elko hits like a productive human being next year um you probably other than him have a fairly good outfield there because you have probably wash and right and hall and center or vice versa it's probably wash and center and hall and right for the first time really since Ole Miss that 2014 Omaha team you have an outfield that's not a liability defensively I guess that 15 team that wasn't that good was had a decent outfield with like Cloyd well hold on is this one a liability defensively with with Olenek and Servideo out there I guess it's not liability but I mean it's it's, it's not a lead. It's not good. Like, yeah, Servideo's okay, Olenek's okay, and then Dillard is there because of his bat. Like, it's, it could be worse, but I, I wouldn't qualify it as good. Like, no, it's not good. I mean, next year's would certainly be uh, certainly be better if, if one Jerry and Ely gets into the fold as well. Yeah, so I guess we'll transition to the straight that there. So the big story from all this is that Jerry on Ely is foregoing the the MLB draft, and he's going to tr- play football and baseball at Ole Miss, which I thought was I, completely opposite of what I thought would happen. I thought his draft stock, so he didn't hit very well as a senior. I think he hit like 270. Um, his draft stock started tumbling, but I thought he would take, like we were talking about, maybe the richer version of the A.J. Brown route, sign later, get a decent a bit of money from a club, play college football, and then work out for them in the offseason and basically kind of get paid to play college football. Yeah, I thought that was kind of the route he was going to take, too. But, no, it appears that he's going to be uh, 
a two-sport athlete, at least for next year. So there's not a lot of history of success with that, because I remember talking to Senquez Golson about this a couple years ago. Not necessarily about this, just for another story, because he turned down a lot of money from the Red Sox to come play at Ole Miss. And he was just talking to me. I remember him telling me how hard it was to go back and forth and do both, and that some days he was literally like struggling to find time to like sit down and like get food in him and eat. And so I, I do wonder what that looks like because you have another guy that's going to try to do it, presumably, in John Rice Plumley, the quarterback slash safety. Um, what he's South Mississippi, like pedal somewhere around there? Uh, Oak Grove. Oak Grove. And he's going to try to play baseball as well. I don't really know where he fits in on the baseball front. I think he could play safety or be the backup quarterback on the football team next year. Um, I don't really know where he fits in from a baseball perspective, but you got two guys trying to do that whole thing, and that's that's not easy. No, it's not. But, I mean, it, it takes a special type of kid. I mean, there, there's success stories there. Kyler Murray was one. But it's, it's hard. It's going to be really hard for those type two guys to uh, play both sports. But, you know – at least they kind of got somebody to, to fall back on and, and to do it together with. Because maybe if you're doing that by yourself, it's even a whole lot harder. But at least it's, it's two guys working together. Uh, but like you said, it's, it's not going to be easy. Sinquez had a tough time with his adjusting to it and, and gave up baseball after his freshman year, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be really difficult for those two guys. And it takes a special type of athlete. But, you know, it, it, it costs almost baseball nothing. I mean, they're all football scholarships. Those guys are free, so you might as well give them the opportunity. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It doesn't really hurt baseball at all, and I would say anything they get from it is a bonus. So, like, let's put it this way. Does Jaron Neely in his three, year, four years at Ole Miss make more of an impact on the football field or baseball? I don't really think football. this is a difficult answer. Yeah, it's football. It is 100% football because he is an immediate impact player. I mean, he's a five-star running back. He's going to be back there alongside Scotty Phillips. I imagine he's going to catch some passes out of the backfield. He's going to play next year. I don't know if he's like I don't. I think Phillips is still probably the bell cow, like the that sees the bulk of the carries. But I think they're going to use Ely in a lot of different ways. You know, catch because with the way that offensive line's going to be, I mean, you can use Ely in space out of the backfield. You can kind of get him going laterally a little bit. Like I, he's definitely going to be used, and his impact I think will definitely be more on football. I'm just interested to see if both of them stick with baseball through this whole time, and kind of what happens with that. Um, does he affect the win loss record in football next year? I don't like. I say next year alone. I tend to say maybe not directly, but it's certainly going to help them score. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he does or doesn't. I kind of think. Look, I think this guy's going to get 16 to 17 touches a game. So, yeah, I think I think he probably does, honestly. I mean, he's a dynamic athlete with the ball in his hands, and, and Ole Miss is going to certainly figure out ways to get him the football. They're going to need the offensive line to be good because that's the yeah, biggest area of concern with this team by far. I mean, they lose a lot. I think they still, there's still a chance that there's okay because the guys that are replacing them, like the Ben Browns, the I mean, Alex Givens has been there while um, – like, who am I blanking on here that I'm trying to think going through? So you've got Givens. Uh, yeah, Bryce Matthews. So, like, and Eli Johnson. So you have guys that have, quote, unquote, like, I mean, it's so cliche to say, but, like, paid their dues in the sense that they've been around, they've been in some games, they've been through a lot of practice. They're not new to, like, Division One football. There's just not a lot of sample size of them doing it for an extended period of time in game action. So I think there's a chance they're going to be okay. But Ole Miss is going to need that offensive line to be good for a variety of reasons because, you know, if Phillips and – I mean, if there's no one blocking for Phillips and Ely, that's probably not going to end well. And you have a fre- redshirt freshman quarterback. Like, that's going to be huge for this team. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's a playmaker. 
set up. But like you said, the offensive line is going to have to come away from where they were in the spring if uh, this offense is going to be successful. The problem with that is it's not like I, I think they'll be good like once they kind of get some starts and snaps and stuff under their belt. But the problem is Ole Miss, like with Ole Miss's schedule, they're not afforded that luxury. Like Ole Miss has to win games yeah. immediately if they want their record to be somewhat competitive. I mean, we've been through this a hundred times. We don't have to rehash this again. I mean, Memphis, Arkansas, Cal all in the first month of the season, you got to win at minimum two of those games. And like you, there's, there's no time for growing pains really. No, no. And, and I mean, if you're not ready, you're, you're starting this thing. Oh, and two. And, and that's, that's not a good That is word. a recipe for absolute disaster. But yeah. with that being said, uh, so a buddy of mine actually asked me this right before we started recording this. What was the bigger, what was the best thing to happen to Matt Luke, Jeff Vitter or the MIS pitchers that allowed Ely to hit 270? Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> Probably both. <laughs> but uh, that, that is a big get for like both. I mean, that's a big get for for Richrod too, because in an offense that likes to run the football, I mean, that's a that's a huge weapon. I just don't under kind of going off topic. I don't understand how the kid hits 500 his, his sophomore and junior years and then just falls kind of off the table like this. It, it's just wild to me that because I mean this this was a foregone conclusion that he was going to be a first round draft pick until about a month and a half ago. I, I don't. I just I don't understand how it happens, and, and I kind of feel bad for the kid. I don't. I think he's going to be just fine. I mean, yes, I think he plays in the NFL, plays in the NFL. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's. I guess you know, you have this dream of being a first-round draft pick, and all of a sudden, over a month and a half, it just goes away. Uh, I can say, I can tell you what a couple people that are not questioning it, how it happened. Yeah. Matt Luke, Rich Rodriguez, Mike Bianco, maybe. Uh, yeah, pro- probably Mike Bianco to some degree too, because this is he's just hey, he's just along for the ride. But that was my next question. So, what is a success? And I don't mean success-failure on the shoulders of Mike Bianco, but what is a successful production you get out of Ely in three years? I think it's one year as a starter if he's pretty productive at the plate. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, you know, he's, he's, I mean, he's got a chance to come in, I guess, next year and play some. But, I mean, because that outfield depth's not very good. But, you know, not being there for the fall is going to really hurt him. Um so yeah, I think I think that's fair. Is a one-year starter, and look, that's enough tape. If you're that athletic, to for a MLB team to to be certainly interested in you, if you can, if you can produce during that one year. Yeah, and that, so if if he does stick with it, and that does become like like a real thing, which I think it will. He seems more serious about sticking yeah. with it than maybe like a Golson or some of these other guys in the past, like yeah. Alford. Or I guess Alford went the baseball route, but like you know what I mean, like sticking with both. Yeah. Um, and so. I think there, like you're saying, I think there's a chance he plays the first couple of years. But like if that junior year or that third season, or I guess it could be the second season, if you get him as a consistent starter that's a productive hitter, I think that's a win for Mike Bianco at Ole Miss. The issue is going to be there is if it's his third year, what what happens if he's a first round NFL prospect? Is he even going to play? I mean, they were speaking way far in advance, but you got the combine and all that stuff. I mean, oh, that- I think this. That's exactly why I kind of said maybe it's the second year because you don't know what's going to happen on the football field. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, because I think this kid is a is a I think he plays in the NFL. I, I don't really have much doubt about that. I mean, he's a five star running back. He's really really good. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see because uh, you know uh, playing both and being as good as he is in football and baseball is that's it, it, a rare breed. 
So if I'm uh, Billy Bean, the general manager of the Oakland Athletics, ever since I got burned on Murray, I'm just going to start trolling people in the last three, four rounds of the draft uh, today. We're recording this on Thursday or Wednesday, obviously. I'm just going to pick dual sport guys that are definitely not going to sign just to troll everyone. Yeah, no, like take Johnny Manziel. Yeah, take Ely in the 38th round, Plumley in the 39th round, whatever other kid, the the kid from uh, that's showing up at LSU, Hampton. Yeah, 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 Maurice Hampton. Just take all three of them, just be like, screw it, we didn't learn our lesson. Because <laughs> you're not signing those guys anyways. No, exactly. It just it would be kind of a funny, like, middle finger in some ways. But it, I, anyway, I, that's why I'm not a baseball GM among another, amongst a, a number of reasons. Um, So... Current players that got drafted, Greg Kessinger goes very late on Monday uh, evening, uh, goes to the 68th overall pick, really missed an opportunity there, uh, one back. Yeah, uh, one spot away. To the Astros, slot value is $953,000 or 953100 I think is the exact number. He probably signs for right around the slot. Yeah. Uh, good for yeah. him. He's a good dude. I like Gray. He's been really great with the media over the couple of years. He's a uh, good family, good kid, and I know he was – he was talking about kind of what of a, a kind of a stressful night it was because man, he got announced at eleven o'clock at night. Like, yeah, and I'm sure he's like turning down figures and saying, "Yeah, I'll take this. I won't take this all night long." Yeah, exactly. And so, like, he kind of had an idea, but didn't know if exactly if his name was going to be called on this night or the ne- or early the next day. And then it happens at eleven o'clock at night, and like that kind of sucks in its own right. Because like we asked Cole Zabowski if they were if you someone was like, "Are you with him?" And Cole Zabowski was like, "No, I was asleep, but I found out this morning." And then I asked Mike Bianco the same thing, and he was asleep too. He was not very happy that I pointed out that he was not, that he did not stay up with uh, for that selection. He was not not did too you call pleased. Him old? What? Did you call him old? No, I did not. I just said, did you stay up for it? I know it was kind of late at night, and like I guess he took that as, oh, hey, old man, did you stay awake? I was asking it because I was having trouble staying awake. I almost called it and went to bed, but I was like, if someone gets picked, I'll put something up on the website. I can stay up forty-five more minutes, but I was struggling. And uh, he did not take too kindly to that. Um, on a completely unrelated note, Mike Bianco tweeted me yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. He did. I saw that. Talk about that, things that, that I what? never anticipated to happen in a million years. I was doing the radio show. I don't look at my phone a lot during the radio show because I have everything pulled up on my computer. But I like looked down because it was vibrating like it was like had lost its mind. And then all of a sudden, you know, I kind of see what happened. And I was like, well, this is... I bet when you see like Coach Mike Bianco... like mentioned you you're like oh my god <laughs> so i had the notification i have mike turned on for notifications because when he tweets the lineup i can kind of look yeah. immediately and see if there's anything up with it and so when i get the notification that coach mike bianco has tweeted and then i see my own twitter handle in it i was like wait what the hell is going on right now and of course <laughs> like i opened it so the backstory of it is is so the the i should have mentioned this on monday but i just forgot the ortega brothers made their way back to oxford over the weekend uh if you don't know their backstory, they saved up for like 18 months, flew across the country to watch Ole Miss play the Florida series after kind of falling, I guess, like falling into fandom with Ole Miss baseball over YouTube videos. Like they saw the season on YouTube and kind of just got hooked on it. Uh, they live in like a predominantly Hispanic community about 15 miles southeast of Los Angeles. Uh, but their dad died when they were like 13 and 9 years old, respectively. And so Peter, the older one, is kind of taking on like the father role for this kid, uh, for the younger brother, Mark. And they kind of like baseball is kind of how they like bond and kind of relate to one another. And so they, they kind of got infatuated with Ole Miss baseball. Didn't know how to watch him on television. Like didn't know about watch ESPN or any of that. So literally just started watching YouTube clips in the season. 
saved up a bunch of money and flew to watch the Florida series. I found them on a video on the internet once they sent back. So I wrote a story on it, and then a bunch of people donated a bunch of money to help them get back for the regional. Um, so they made it back over the weekend. It was a, a cool deal, and they made a second video, and that's kind of what Bianco quote tweeted, uh, I guess, that the kind of the quote video of their trip. I guess they met Mike at one point. I don't know. Cool story. Um, I got to meet them over the weekend. I went and ate breakfast with them. They're good people. Um, it was a cool story. I was glad they got to come back, but it resulted in Mike Bianco tweeting me, which I, I did not did not see coming. I was I don't really know how to feel about this one. You you lost that bet. Oh yeah, and like if you were in like ten thousand dollars, Mike never uh, like Mike Bianco tweets you. I'd have been like, I'll take it. That's not happening. And then wait, that you might be the only guy on the beat. You tweeted that right. So you may have a. Uh, I don't know if I want that badge necessarily. And then <laughs> at first I thought it was like some. Uh, I thought it was like maybe like Sims or something because there's some people that run his account sometimes for him like to put the lineup up before games and yeah. stuff. But he tweets a lot of himself most on. But uh, I think it was him because it's the classic. Uh, it's the classic old, older guy that's like not grown up in the social media age that we know what you're saying but not really because he said thanks for coming it was a privilege to meet you on one of the base college baseball's wonderful stories go check it out on at bs rippy like doesn't necessarily make sense but you got the message um yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i think that makes me think it was him i don't know how to feel about this uh for for those of you that have listened to this podcast for a while like i don't really know how to describe mike and i's relationship um I think there's some days where he likes me and some days where he wishes that maybe I would get run over by the lawnmower uh, cutting the grass in the outfield. So I think it just kind of depends on the day. So, so that's why this was a bit of a surprise. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I don't know. The Internet's a weird place. Um, you haven't told you were bad for the program this year, right? Uh, not this year. Uh, not this year. Uh, that happened in years past. Yeah, it's been a bumpy road with me and Mike, but you know he's been more good than bad over the you know the five years I've been around him. It's I'm I'm saying this mostly tongue in cheek, but it is a cool story that those kids got to come back yeah. Um, yeah. for the regional. It was cool they got to meet Mike Bianco. I was happy to see them come back. I was happy to meet them because you know it's one of those things where you wonder like what do I really have to complain about in life when you hear stuff like that, and so. Good dudes. I'm glad they got to come back. Thanks to all the people that that made that happen. But we got way off topic there. Um, <laughs> we went from the draft to Mike Bianco using Twitter. Um, back to it. So Kessinger gets drafted. Um, he's talking about kind of what a late night it was, but good for him. And then the next day, Dillard. So it goes Dillard and then Etheridge both in the fifth round, like five picks apart, right? Yeah, I think Etheridge went first. Etheridge, Etheridge first to the Rockies. Dillard to the Brewers, and then around later in the sixth round, Cooper Johnson goes to the Tigers, which I thought was the surprise of the draft in the sense hard. that I was surprised that he slipped to the sixth round. Um, I guess it's not a huge deal, but that is a slip. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a huge deal for him for his signing bonus value. I mean, it, I didn't get it. I mean, he, he's one of the best defensive catchers in this draft. You could drop him probably on a Major League Baseball roster right now, and I think from a defensive standpoint, he could hang. I just didn't get it. I don't. I didn't understand why there were so many. Because there were a ton of catchers drafted in front of them. I just didn't, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. So what was it, like? What do you, what's he signing for? Will he go above slot? Like I'd be interested to see there. Like three hundred k or so. Yeah. God, and he he could have had a lot more than that out of high school, and it wasn't his fault. Like I mean, he made the right decision uh, to go to Ole Miss, and has done everything that he's supposed to do at Ole Miss. 
somehow gets picked in the sixth. I, I don't know. He's going to be in the major leagues. I have no doubt about that. I would tend to agree with that. And Cooper's a good guy. I, he's been really nice with us over the past couple of years. We actually so Chase is uh, Chase Porham is making a plaque uh, that we are going to give to a player who's like best with the media. And it sounds as if Cooper Johnson. We haven't taken the official vote yet, but it sounds as if Cooper's going to win. Um, Gray. So the candidates would be Cooper, Doug, um, Dillard, one hundred percent. You could probably throw Gray in there too. We just had like, like Dillard, Dillard and Johnson for whatever reason. This is not particularly any reason at all. Just whenever like there's like a loss or like a a dud of a game one way or another, and you just kind of need a spokesperson. It's been Dillard or Johnson, and that's nothing on Gray. Like Gray's been great. Great too. All, all three of those guys have been fantastic. We've just talked to those two more this year for whatever reason. I don't really know why. It just kind of happens. People just throw a name out there sometimes when we're up there. But a lot of candidates there. So Doug's been great. Um, so there's some days where Olenek would qualify for this award, then others not at all. Like it, he's kind of a mixed bag there. I don't know if he knows what to think about us because like there's some days where he just kind of shoots the shit for the lack of a better phrase, and like. Just kind of talking and kind of enjoys it. In other days, where he's like, "Why, why, why am I standing in front of these people?" So, <laughs> I, I think Cooper's going to win it. He's deserving. So is Dillard. I mean, really, all four of those guys are. Um, yeah. So yeah, Cooper's good dude. Really good. I, I, I hope Cooper's he ends really up okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, Cooper's interesting. He is an interesting quote. Like he, he kind of tells you exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. Yeah, and which is kind of good from your catcher. Yeah, and he's taken on more of a leadership role this year, like he was talking about in the past. How sometimes, you know, he said his freshman year, even though he looked, because I, I found this. So Chase Parham wrote a story on this, and it's a really good story. You should go read it. But one of the one of the things Cooper talked about in there was that how he was, while he seemed put together as a freshman, which he was, he was one of the more like well spoken freshmen that we've ever like dealt with. But he said he was very selfish and not a very good teammate as a freshman. He's kind of learned to be a leader here. So I think he's taken on more of a leadership role this year. I hope he ends up okay. I, I It sucked that he slipped to the sixth round, but I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I think he's going to be in the major leagues uh, at some point. I mean, he's just he's every bit as good as Stewart Turner was defensively. And Stewart's, Stewart's fluctuating between the uh, AAA and, and major leagues. Yep, between Louisville and Cincinnati, made that drive quite a few times. Um, That's not a bad kick for uh, AAA, though. I mean... You're right there at Cincinnati, really. Yeah, I mean, it's literally an hour. Like, it, it's not bad at all. Um, and that's really convenient for the club, too, sending guys back and forth. Um, right. So, Dillard goes to the Brewers, and he's announced as a catcher. Found that interesting. Not sure if that necessarily sticks. I think he, they either try to make him into a sufficient catcher or a first baseman. I don't see him in the outfield as a professional. I don't either, unless this bat just really, really takes off. Um which I mean, there's he potential for. He's got really – I mean, the raw power is what you're drafting him on. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I do not think he is Kyle Schwarber, but I'm telling you he's a he's just as good in the outfield as Kyle Schwarber. So if the bat takes off to that level, yeah, you can throw him in left field. Um, I don't know if it will or not. I'd lean towards not. But yeah, I really have to – I mean, he's Kyle Schwarber. Like, he could still be yeah. okay and it not take off to that point. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Thomas went to, to a good organization. It's going to be really good for him. I think the Brewers are a really good organization right now. Um, and and I kind of this is where I kind of expected him to get picked. So I, I really really happy for him. Thomas has been really good for Ole Miss, and you know I, it was it was cool to see after a really really tough freshman year how he's picked it up after uh, in, in the past two years. That could go for Gray as well. Yeah, go go for all three of them. Yeah, that's very true because they all three struggled mightily as freshmen and really have turned it around since. 
Um, Will Etheridge goes to the Rockies, so the Rockies have a propensity for Ole Miss pitchers. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. That's a uh, good pick for the Rockies. Uh, Will's gonna Will's fastball has so much run, and RPM wise, and he's gonna miss barrels, and which is huge in that park. Um, so that, I think that I think he actually is gonna be a, a bullpen piece for them at some point. I would agree with that. Got a uh, like a major league frame too, like a big yeah. kid with some length. Like I, uh, I think that's a good pick as well. Um, I think this. What oh, Gray? What do you say? What do you think they do with Gray? Because I, I know you just draft the best player available, but man, they've got guys locked up at second, short, third for a long time. Yeah, you never know how that turns out, though. Like, if they miss a like, I don't like the Brewers' window seems like it's nowhere close to closing, but these things change quickly. And he, could, I mean, he could get. Tra- I mean, he could be used as a trade piece. He could end up in another organization and ascend up quicker. He could end up with the Brewers. I don't know. It did. You never know. Like you said, you just take the best players available and just kind of see what happens. I would bet Greg makes his way to the bigs at some point if I had to make oh, yeah. a wager. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, but it is a good point. They do have a lot of young guys locked up. I don't really know what that looks like, but you know, who knows? They got a good one. Yeah, that's for sure. That is for sure. Um, did we miss anything else on the draft? Uh, no, it starts today. I think Zabowski comes off the board at some point. I expect him to sign. Uh, that may be about it, though, right? Um, maybe Olenek. Oh, yeah. I mean, Olenek's going to get picked. and he, He's obviously gone. He's a senior. Uh, um, there's a chance Olenek. Phillips or Caracy? Mm, yeah, I guess. It's certainly on Phillips. I mean, he's left-handed, breathing, throws 90. Um, so... I don't know about Christ. You probably know more there. It feels like he's back. I think he's back. Yeah. I feel um, like he's back next year. I mean, the bulk of Ole Miss's draft stuff happened yesterday. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I guess the day before with, with Gray, obviously. Um, Ooh, that, that'd be a heck of a bullpen if you got Caracy, Phillips, uh, and Miller back. So... I guess we kind of projected the outfield a little bit in 2020 next year. We can go the infield is Servideo and probably Bench at se- uh, short and second. Um, yeah. And then yeah. Keenan at first or third. I don't really know which one. I'm interested there because if they can play, if they can figure out the the uh, outfield without Elko, I'm betting they'd really like to put Elko at third because he's a little bit more athletic over there. That's fair, and then you could put Keenan at first. Where does Kevin first. Graham fit in? DH. Knox Laposser. Uh, DH against lefties. I don't. I don't know. Uh, it's a good. Good problem to have if you're Ole Miss. Yeah, that's true. And then they'll pitch it really well. So I think it'll be. I think Gunner's got a chance to be the Friday night guy next year if he takes a jump. Um, yeah. I think that's they possible. They really want to leave Doug on Saturday. Yeah, because Doug projects well to Saturday. Um. He's going to be a real sob for other teams on Saturday for yeah, the next two years. That. He's going to have that's going to be a luxury for Ole Miss. Um, I think Phillips has a chance to crack the back end of the weekend rotation next year. I think he could fit in the bullpen, but I think he's got a shot. Let's listen to this. Let's name four guys we think could uh, could be in the rotation next year. Because I mean, it's going to be hard to pin down two guys. Because it's probably going to fluctuate throughout the year, like he did this. Year. Well, should we throw Hoagland and Nikhazy out because they're going to be in there? Okay, that's that's fine. And and then those same three guys you think could take the other spot. Roth, Phillips, yep. uh, Diamond. Yeah, I guess it was yeah. So Derek Diamond, of incoming but freshman. The the way Diamond gets into the rotation is Gunner's got to be good enough to take over Friday night. They're not going to throw Diamond on Friday night. So 
um, yeah, I mean, Gunners, it, it would just be massive for. I tell you another one, guys, Caleb Hill. I, I think he takes a jump next year too. Um, so I think one of those four guys takes over one of the weekend spots. So Phillips has. I think Phillips has a chance. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Because um, he could fit pretty good as the way he's pitched the last seven weeks of the year is kind of Sunday-ish material. Absolutely. I mean, you take five point two innings and three runs on Sunday every day. So I guess that's a decent segue because I'm not I'm not going to hop on my Zach Phillips soapbox again like I did last week, but I did talk to him. I'm learning a story either later today or tomorrow on how like he became the dugout guy, um, and it's kind of like a two in one story. Could like how he kind of became the dugout guy. He saw an opportunity to like help the team, but also in the sense that how bad he was early in the year and be able to transform it around. He's one hell of an insurance policy for them to have as they go deeper into this thing. Yeah, and I think he's going to really have an impact this weekend. Uh, Arkansas doesn't swing well against left-handed pitching. He's their only other. He's their only bullpen option besides Caleb Hill, who they're really just using for matchups. I think he's going to have a big role this weekend at some point. They're yeah. going to need Zach Phillips to pitch well. Yeah, because they're going to like if Hoagland struggles or Nikhazy doesn't have it or Etheridge has to come out a little early. I would agree. You need to you need Phillips to come in and start the inning though. You probably don't need to, yeah. to come in with you know a high leverage situation. Yeah, you. Uh, He's shown. I mean, look, you give him a clean inning. That's basically like starting. So, don't don't bring him in with the bases loaded. Yeah, he uh, he talked about how. Uh, so he saw pictures of Evan Anderson doing the whole Ninja Turtle thing or whatever, and then went to Walmart and bought one of those things. So, um, did you get up with Evan? What I did not. He will not answer my text messages, which is uh, quite disappointing. I might just. I'm probably just going to run it anyway. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I have not talked to Evan. I was hoping he might give the stamp of approval to uh, to uh, to Phillips as far as the dugout antics, but I uh, have not heard back from him. Phillips did tell me that uh, he is 100% the ringleader of this. He said Etheridge's, uh, Etheridge's attempt at Clifford the Big Red Dog was just atrocious and that really they're all just his assistants and he's running that show. I like that. I like that he, uh, he's talked himself into being the boss. Yeah, no, he said, look, he said, he goes, yeah, Will helps me, but he doesn't really know what he's doing. He was like, no one knew that was Clifford the Bidrag Dog. And I was like, yeah, I think I just created some sort of power struggle here. Sorry, Mike. Um, <laughs> Mike's going to call you back for the program again. Yeah, because they're going to get in a fight in the dugout over whose dog ears looked worse. Um, so, oh, God. Yeah, so I'll have that out probably later today. Interesting stuff. Phillips talked about kind of just how he saw an opportunity to help the team, and then he kind of talked about what some of the adjustments he's made and really turned it around within the confines of this year. And really, like I said, if they get into, particularly if they get past this weekend, having a fourth guy that's experienced starting and has given you link, you know, multiple times before is a luxury not all the teams have. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's just get into this weekend. Uh, what do you think happens? I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Ole Miss wins in three. And I'm shocked at myself for even, like, I don't know how I'm like I, I don't know I just, it feels weird to say that because the way this team was a month ago three weeks ago two and a half weeks ago yeah two and it's half just weeks. like how in the hell is this possible how in the hell is this happening but they match up well with Arkansas they're playing good baseball they're certainly not fearful of going into Bomb Stadium I don't think they're losing to Casey's start and Hoagland matches up okay with them so like. And I tell you, I don't I, think I, Arkansas is winning this in two. I think there's a chance Ole Miss could win this in two if they want Ethel to start. So, like, how do you not pick the team that you pretty much have? I don't want to say a guaranteed win when the Casey's starting, but they're going to be tough to beat on that Sunday. I keep saying Saturday, it's Sunday. 
especially when they're going to go against Nolan, who they'll face for the third time, and it's only the second time in Arkansas seeing the Casey. Yeah, I think Ole Miss is winning on Saturday, and if you're going to give somebody a win, I mean, it's really hard to say they're not going to win the Super Regional. If there's a team that's going 2-0 and this weekend, to me, it's Ole Miss. Oh, I'd go Vandy. No, I mean, like, between Ole Miss and Arkansas. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I thought you meant across the country. I was like, whoa there. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree in that sense just because they've been so hard to beat with Nikhazy on the mound. And, you know, I, I, Arkansas is going to have the edge on Saturday. I think Campbell is a little bit better than Etheridge. Um, and I think Arkansas has got the edge there. But, I mean, if Ole Miss finds a way to win that game, like, Arkansas could be in some trouble. Oh, yeah. If Ole Miss wins on Friday, you, uh, all the pressure is on Arkansas. And you're facing a beast on Saturday. So, uh, I mean, on Sunday. Yeah, I keep doing that too. I did. That. I went on some Arkansas radio station that yesterday and did that like four times uh, within like a ten minute interview. So just so you have this right, I, if you don't know this by now, you should probably get the internet. But um, it is Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday at eleven, uh, Sunday at three, and Monday at three. It's Sunday. Sunday and Monday are an hour different. I don't know if it's two, three, or so maybe three, it's three, four, two, three. So yeah, I mean, something like that. Um, it's midday. So uh, you could watch the Rebels maybe go to Omaha at midday on Monday. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I yeah. That's uh, I, I'm I'm pleased with the game times because I can like you know I like Fayetteville. It's one of the more it's a pain in the ass yeah. to get to, but it's one of the most underrated SEC cities. Dixon Street is awesome. Everything in that town is like nice. I really enjoy Fayetteville. It's just a long yeah. way away. The only thing on Monday is if they will push the game back if uh, there's not other game three. So you could get a 7 o'clock there on Monday. I'm going to take that out on old Dick Cross, even though he has nothing to do with it, but he works for ESPN. I'm going to be real upset if that happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, it's his fault. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's – we'll get into it a little bit more on Friday with whatever guests we have, but I, I like Ole Miss's chances. I, I feel weird saying that because this, is, this team has made no sense the entire uh, – this team is tight. This this team made no sense. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't understand this group. I don't understand them at all. They uh, they've been a roller coaster, to put it lightly, and now they're prob they're I shouldn't say probably now they've got a shot to uh, make the College World Series and play LSU in round one. And, man, if you're playing LSU in round one, I think Ole Miss would win that, and uh, you're probably what two wins from playing for a national title at that point. I mean, this this thing's kind of gotten real over, all of a sudden. Yeah, it has. And if Ole Miss were to make it through this weekend, would you pitch Doug in that first game? Because if you lose that first game, you're screwed in Omaha. You're asking me, would I pitch Doug? Yes, I would pitch Doug. However, Will Etheridge will get the ball. Okay. Uh, that's probably getting ahead of things. It's literally the uh, same same situation in uh, 14 with Ellis and Trent and Ellis through. He threw. He pitched his ass off in that game, though. Oh, he did. Yes. Yes. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, so I don't know. Getting ahead of ourselves there because I mean, Ole Miss. I mean, every like I get everyone that seems like keen on the fact that Ole Miss has won three of five there, and it's certainly a decent draw. But at the same time, you're going on the road to Bomb Stadium and trying to win two out of three. Like, it's going to be. Like, I'm I'm intrigued this weekend just because I think it's going to be three close, highly competitive games, and I, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of excited about that. Like, I don't think it's a mismatch. Like, ninety percent of the time when you go into something like this, like Ole Miss is usually like the team in Ole Miss's shoes is usually overmatched in some way or it being on the roads tougher slightly less talented um but really they're just I'd like it feels like these two teams are very even keeled because of the way they match up with each other yeah I completely-
completely agree. Let's do this. Let's do this. Give me a winner and uh, how many games in, 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 in these Super Regionals. UCLA and Michigan. UCLA and two. Okay, Vanderbilt-Duke. Vanderbilt in two. <laughs> Auburn-North Carolina. North Carolina in three. You, okay, so you think it goes three. I think Auburn just kind of scraps for one. I don't think they can beat them without Burns. Okay. Uh, Florida-LSU. Uh, I actually like Florida State in three. Florida State. You like Florida State? I don't, I don't hate that. I don't think LSU does. LSU does not. In, like, I don't, I'm not high on LSU at all. They've gotten incredibly lucky. And I, I don't want to – nine out of like the last 11 times that one seed they've been paired with is lost. And yes. they don't – like LSU, particularly their frontline pitching, is not, not intimidating. I don't think they're that good. We both kind of think Ole Miss wins in Fayetteville in three. I hold our breath to do it. Uh, State Stanford. State in three. State, okay, so you think that goes three. Uh, let's see, who's the seven seed? East Carolina, Louisville. I got East Carolina here. I've got ECU in three. Okay. And then Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Texas Tech in three. That has potential to be fun, though. Yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma State there. They're playing so well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun weekend for baseball. Was that all of them? That We just yeah. did that already? Okay, we're gonna have to repeat that on Friday for content purposes. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, it's gonna be an interesting weekend. Um, that's gonna turn into one hell of a storyline, and I think they got a good chance to do it if this Mike Mike Martin's last team goes to Omaha one more time. As the like second to last team in the tournament. Yeah, I mean they and they throttled Georgia twice, just popped them. Yeah, and beat Hancock like Georgia held it, and they just whipped it. Yeah, and then I mean both those games were like not competitive really. At no, all? Not at all. Uh, they were over by the fifth inning. Game three tonight, NBA Finals. Clay going to play. Clay is going to play. That's a big deal. Um, I still give Toronto a decent shot because this has turned into a really even, interesting series. Um, I think Golden State wins tonight. I do too. And then I think Golden State wins game four and it's over. Ooh. I think I'm going to disagree there. I think Toronto gets one of these. Okay. And I don't necessarily know why I don't think it's tonight. I'm not really making any sense there. I think Toronto actually gets one of these, and Golden State has to win one more game in that building to win the title. Uh, in Toronto, that is. So, actually, screw it. I'm changing my pick on the spot. I think uh, Toronto wins tonight, and then Golden okay. State gets game four. Okay. All right. Well, that's um, What's the line? Do you know? I do not. I have not looked at it. Um, like I, haven't, I hate it. I missed game two because I've been really interested in these finals. Like, uh, like game one was awesome. Um, the hockey has been awesome too. This Boston yeah, St. Louis series has been awesome because, like, it's like the Bruins have beaten the living hell out of them twice, and then the uh, then the Blues have kind of scrapped back for two wins. So that's two two going to Game Five, I presume Thursday night. I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. That's been yeah. interesting too. Um, so we're yeah. about to, we're about to hit the dead period though. We're like a week and a half away from having nothing but people waiting to talk about training camps and NFL free agency. Well, uh, mini camp. What's going on? You want to talk about some mini camp? Um, I don't. I don't have any mini camp storylines to drop on you. <laughs> Same. Uh, yeah. Football in so, shorts just gives me shivers. <laughs> You're not going to be the guy that uh, stands out at practice for three and a half hours. No, like I've said this before, but like sitting on a practice field covering college football in February is uh, probably just the bane of my existence, and I would put the same thing for uh, NFL offseason, although I, if someone wants to let me cover an NFL team, I'll do it in a heartbeat. I'm just saying, like, 
Like, just I can't get – what I'm trying to say is I can't get amped for football now. Like, no, no. give me no. – I love baseball, but even in late July, early August, when you start seeing teams report to training camp and college footballs within, you know, 30 days out, that's when I can start feeling it. I can't get amped for OTAs or mini camps. So you're saying the trip to Hoover doesn't get you fired up? Uh, no, it is not at all. Um <laughs> Hoover this year, didn't it move? Yeah, it, well, it moved to Atlanta, it's in Hoover, and then they're announcing the destination for next year. I think it's going to become like a traveling circus. Um, yeah, that, that's already is. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's we can do the media days thing later, like that's feel, it's, you know, it's nothing. It's a social networking event, is what it is. You're right. It is. Right. It's a social networking event for media, and I guess coaches talk to each other, too. I don't really know how that works. They seem to get more of that done at the meetings in Destin this past May to May. But, like, you don't get anything out of that. What in the hell is Gus Malzahn going to tell you in a room of 200 people in front of a microphone? It's like, hey, coach, like, take me through your too deep. Like, I don't know. Like, what, what are you getting out of that? He can tell you how hard they worked this offseason. One of the greatest moments in SEC Media Day's history was the Hugh Freeze filibuster. And... I have many issues with Hugh Freeze, but that was such a power move. And then he plants Chuck to ask the question about the kick returner. Just just phenomenal stuff. I was an intern at the time at the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and I was a features intern, and I was sitting at my desk watching it. I wasn't there that year. I was I just finished up undergrad. I was watching it. And so I got like I wasn't watching it first. It got like three minutes in, and someone was like, Tell me you're watching what Hugh Freeze is doing on the podium right now. He went through Every single person on his depth chart and filibustered for like 18 minutes and then had Chuck ask the first question about like the kick returners. Fantastic. Look, when everybody had it in the room had him calling a hooker. Yes, that had not gone public yet, but all the national guys had it at that point. There were hundreds of questions to be asked about the state of the program, the NCAA investigation, and this man is filibustering about which. Who's going to play linebacker for him? And spoiler, the answer ended up being no one because they didn't have any linebackers. Um, but like no, Hugh Freeze, hate awesome. Hugh Freeze. Never. That was a power move. That was hilarious. Oh God! I, yeah, you can't even get mad at him because he's not going to even answer your question. No, of course he's not. But like the just the like what do because I'm, I'm I'm trying to think like he and like old Mrs. PR people trying to be like okay, what's our play here? Like who do you think was like? Let's just talk for the entire 20 minutes. Let's not let him ask a question. Oh, that was, whoever it was deserved a raise. Yeah, because that was awesome. Like, I, I might go back and watch that today if I can find it just for the hell of it. Give me the link because I, I got a job in front of me. I can listen to that. It was, it was amazing. I mean, he's just going through the depth chart talking about how pumped he is for all these guys and everyone in the room. Like, I guess about eight or ten minutes in, you're kind of like, I know what he's doing here. But, man, that was uh, that was great stuff. Like what? 25 minutes up there? Oh, yeah. You know, I think it's 25 minutes, and I think he, like, knocked out, like, 22 of them. Um, between <laughs> that and... Up the kick oh, yeah. The first question was, like, who's going to return punts? Like, Because um, that's the pressing issue that everyone's wanting to talk to Hugh Freeze about. So, yeah, I'm, media days is whatever. I'll, I'll be there so I can keep getting paid. Um <laughs> But it's fine. Like, it's whatever. Like, I mean, there's not a lot of times where me, Borky, Haydad, and Richard all, like, go to the same place for four days, so that'll be nice. Um, but, like, other than that. It's not walk-ons. What's the on tap? You can go on, on tap. tap, yeah. That's the, what, what, like, Hoover might as well have a sign when it's like, welcome to Hoover, please come get drunk at our chain restaurants. Because <laughs> that is what one does in Hoover. It's just a bunch of stuff. It's, like, <laughs> sticks, 
Like, I'm sure there's a TGI Fridays in there. And I'm not, like, making fun of it. Hoover's fine. It's perfect for the SEC baseball tournament. But it's just stuff. Like, it's sticks, P.F. Chang's, like... I bet your liver was ready to get out of Hoover that that Sunday. It's just, I mean, there's only so many times you can go to the On Tap bar, which is about as chain. I mean, it's 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 a chain bar food place, and you sit there and kill an hour and a half before you go back to the hotel room. So like, I mean, it was fine. But like, yeah, six days of that, it's like, like anybody want to go to the PF Chang's or Sticks bar or something this time? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I did. There's just not a lot, not a lot there. There is one place in there called. I forget what it's called, but the bar it's like like people smoke inside, and so after like five minutes of that, you're like, oh my god, I have to, I have to get out of here. I think I just, ha- I think I just got asthma. Um, so you didn't go into Birmingham. I mean, we did one. So we did one night. We went to a pizza place, like a brewery that start, like a, that had like a pizza place. It was really good, but the problem is, is once we ordered the pizza, Ross Bjork decided to quit his job. So I got an Uber back after 20 minutes after getting there. So I ate like a slice of pizza, drank like a third of a beer, and then just turned around. It was like not a meme guy, but it's the uh, it's the Simpsons thing where the guy takes his coat off the hanger. And people tweeted me that kind of stuff a lot. Um, you should have texted Ross a WTF, Jeff. Oh uh, yeah, that would. I'm sure. I mean, I wouldn't. Have, nothing else I sent got a response. So like that that might have triggered one. Um, that's about all I have. Yeah, we got off the rails a little bit. Um, so like, we just moved our question day to Friday, so our mailbag day is Friday. We'll get questions for that. We started it on Wednesday. We don't really keep a strict schedule on this podcast. That's probably my fault. That's 100% my fault, but, yo, it is what it is. Um, so we'll be back out on Friday. I'll get a guest lined up. We'll get Kendall or Teddy or somebody to kind of break down the Super Regionals. We'll take some mailbag questions. Uh, for those of you not on the Twitter sphere but listen to this, feel free to email me questions or Facebook me questions or write it to me in the mail. You'd have to probably overnight that if you wanted to get it in there in time. But uh, yeah, feel free to send in any questions for the mailbag. Um, unless you got anything else, we'll just be back at it Friday. We'll see you Friday. Sounds good. Well, for Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Uh, thanks for listening this while. I bet what I said at the beginning of this, it's growing. It's cool yeah. to see it's growing. More people are listening. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your family. Send us some money. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back at it Friday. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.